Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. I'm your host, Brandy Jackson, founder of Brandy Jackson Golf, where young female golfers can come join the team in search of coaching, consulting, mentorship, and guidance on all things junior golf related, and of course, the college recruiting process. There's also access to an online course, or if you're looking for some fun girls golf lifestyle apparel, even added that to the collection last year. So be sure to go check out www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. Welcome to another episode of Tap Into College Golf. We are... If you're listening during, you know, present day time, as I know some of you, you know, jump on these episodes pretty quick, you know, we're in the midst of this whole coronavirus and in a different way of kind of uh, approaching things and looking at things, which we'll talk about a little bit, but also want to just kind of um, take advantage of, of a coach that we have that has a ton of experience. I know all the way back to my recruiting days, which anybody who's been at my talks or, or hear things is one of a, one of my regretful moments of, of my college recruiting process that I hope others can learn from. I'm sure we'll maybe talk about that a little bit, but excited to have the UNC Chapel Hill coach, Coach Jan Mann on here with me. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brandy. Glad to be on it. Yeah. So as I said, and we talked about before we got started, that there's still a lot of uncertainty going on right now. So we'll um, kind of maybe just chat a little bit about what is going on in the, the college golf recruiting world, and then want to talk a little bit more just about um, Oh, 25, 26 ish years that you've been in coaching, I guess, I guess it's been, and, and just kind of your, uh, you know, your take on college golf and athletes and, and what you see through all that. Um, excited to hear your, I know we've done a couple of, um, uh, panels together. So I've always heard and always just love a lot of what you have to say and you have a lot of great insights. So I'm excited for you to share that with all of our listeners out there. Well, happy to do so. And, and, uh, this is a crazy time we're living in right now, but um, I think a lot of good is coming from it too. It, it is. We were talking about that before. For me, it's been great because I've had a chance to really talk to a lot of you all as coaches and, and, and have some of you jump on these episodes with me because normally right now would be a crazy busy time for you all in the heart of spring season. Um, while I know that's been very disappointing, I know your players probably were, you know, just disappointed everything just came to such an abrupt halt and and we've just all kind of adjusted since then and like I said we're still in this kind of confusing what's you know what's happening next I had another meeting this morning about a summer tournament I'm on the board for and how are we going to adjust for something that's scheduled all the way in July Um, so maybe just we'll start a little bit we'll kind of backtrack as we talk about your kind of coaching history since we talked about that how was that this spring just shed a little bit of light on just kind of that uh, abruptness of the season coming to a close and then what we're looking at a little bit with the future. And like we talked about, I know there's a lot of uncertainty to it, but just shed a little bit of light on that before we get into everything else. Well, happy to do so. Um, our team was actually on spring break out in Arizona when we got the news that uh, uh, our season had been canceled. And, and certainly it was a huge disappointment to all of us, but especially our seniors. Uh, but I think you know, the thing that, that we shared with each other is uh, we really have to keep it in perspective. And yes, while we were uh, disappointed and, and um, our lives had been turned upside down in the big scheme of things, um, we knew it was the right thing to do to come home and uh, for the season to end and for players to get back to their families um, and, you know, to do obviously online classes, uh, it's, it's a huge change, but, um, as, as we talked about earlier, there, there are a lot of positives that are coming out of it. And, you know, as we coach our players, um, that's what we tell them all the time that, um, you know, when you're playing in a golf tournament, when you're playing golf, um, you have to keep things in perspective and, um, that bad shot. Uh, really um, is not all that bad. And uh, if you can see the light at the end of the tunnel um, and, and, you know, move forward, then you're going to be okay. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that's the thing. I've, I've talked about that on a couple of episodes of you don't want to downplay, you know, you've got the junior players, you've got the college kids who, you know, golf and in their careers with that, whether it's, you know, playing collegiately or some that may want to go play professionally. I mean, it's so easy to get wrapped up in that and you don't want to downplay their, their work for it and their effort and how important and serious it is because you want them to be committed, but you also want them to have a, a, a realistic you know, aspect of this isn't the end of the world. It's not just about golf. There are so many other things, you know, trying to find that balance. I know it's something that's been brought up a good bit. And I said, it's what I've, you know, tried to talk to with my girls of, you know, I said that perspective of it, but also not wanting them to take it so lightly that it's not a big deal and they don't work hard and commit to it. And, and don't, you, you know, don't feel like you don't understand how much they're doing and, and how hard they're working. But I think this has been a good, a very good reality check, I think, for many of them that can't go to the golf course right now or they're having to learn to be more creative and, and go back to some of our days of, you know, when we were playing and you had to practice in your backyard and you didn't have these great practice facilities and those things. I think a lot of them are having to, you know, having to learn to adjust and, and get a little more just reality check to, you know, to golf and what it means and what they have access to. Absolutely. And I love seeing how creative everyone is getting. Yes. Um, I think that's um, going to to serve them well uh, when they when we come out of this and uh, they're able to to start practicing again on uh, these great ranges, these great facilities. Um, but to as you said, in your backyard, hitting into a net, hitting into a sheet. I saw yeah. that the other day where somebody had put it on a on a line and and uh, uh, put a sheet out where they could hit into it. It's, it's, yeah. it's good. And, um, you know, I think what these players, what these student athletes can do now, um, when they're on their own, um, where they are self coaching, um, and, you know, they're going to have support from, from their coaches, but, um, who's going to take the initiative to, to really self-coach. And I think that's really important. Yes, I, I totally agree. And think that's, uh, again, I've had a lot of my girls and I'm sure yours have probably relied on you as well for, for some direction and some guidance and, and sure. wanting to know, you know, Hey, this is how do I, you know, stick to a schedule or what can I be doing? Again, I've got some that have, have golf course access. I have some that don't have any at all and they don't have much at home and, and trying to get them again to relax a little bit and not totally stress that some of them who haven't had golf courses for a couple of weeks and they hear that, you know, other girls do and, and just making sure they, they take the, take advantage in the most of what they have. And just like I said, becoming more self-sufficient. It, it's something that I was going to talk to you a little bit about with some girls. Um, I had Natalie uh, Srinivasan on here and, and she's kind of going through that post college back to and it happened a little earlier than she expected so she's back to that having to be self-coached herself because she's getting ready to play professionally and and she goes from having a coach there and a, a team and people there to hold her accountable and she, you know how it's back to kind of junior golf almost and I know that something a lot of junior players struggle with and even more now is that that self-motivation and, and you know holding themselves accountable and, and like I said when you go to professional golf, you come out of college, you get that kind of you know, atmosphere again. What's some advice or some ways that you might see some of the girls are able to hold themselves a little bit accountable to have to be on their own a little bit more. And like I said, kind of back to those junior golf days where you don't have somebody who sets up practice for you or tells you to be at the golf course at this time and then tells you what to do. What are some ways that you think some of the girls can learn from that and, and make the most of their time? Uh the one thing that I would suggest right this moment, well, not right at this moment, but when we finish here, is I would encourage you to go to YouTube. Um, coach Anson Dorrance, who is our women's soccer coach, um, he did a piece um, that is on YouTube. Okay. And it is probably, um, for those of you who don't know Anson Dorrance, um, he is the, I think he's won 22 national championships in coaching. And he um, coached Mia Hamm, uh, the okay. great soccer player and, and many more. But he goes into this and he talks about how important it is that 
that individuals, that uh, student athletes are self-coaching on their own, that they have the capacity to discipline themselves uh, on their own, um, not thinking that uh, I'm going to wait until I get back to practice, but what, do you, what can you do right now? Yeah. And, uh, you know, what are you doing to reach your potential right now? Um, and this is, it's a fantastic uh, piece. I've listened to it. I've watched it several times. He's a dynamic awesome. speaker and uh, I would strongly encourage you to, to watch that. But I think um, we just, we just touched on it is, be creative. Um, you know, there's so many opportunities with the internet now to, to research, um, to uh, listen to podcasts, to, to uh, watch videos. Uh, you can get a ton of ideas on, on how to uh, strengthen yourself, not only with your golf, but mentally. Um, and, and go beyond that, you know, what can, learn something new that's totally out of your wheelhouse. Um, you know, just keep learning. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Just the, the key learning, like I said, learn something different or new. Yeah. I've got a girl that um, her brother plays tennis and, and she never has time to play or, or, tr or try it. And she's been going out with him a little bit and, and, you know, she's seeing a little bit of that benefit of learning a different skill, learning, you know, it's keeping her active and it, it's something, it's not just, Hey, I got to go work out or, you know, and it, it's kind of teaching her a lot of different things. And she says, it's been really cool because normally she wouldn't think to take an afternoon off from practicing to do that. But now she's got different time schedule and different schedule to do that. And, you know, that it just, he said, just being, I've had some girls with some creativity, um, that have sent some different messages. I had one who thought was a really cool thing. She does a lot with girls golf and, and she does a lot of yoga with, uh, I guess it's Catherine Roberts. I think it is. And mm -hmm. she decided to do some of her own videos for girls for yoga. And so she's been recording them and putting them on YouTube and, and doing them, taking them through some of her own little like yoga, um, yoga videos for the girls golf program there in Kentucky, which has been really cool. Um, so again, I think, yeah, I think it is. It's, it's both ways of, of learning things for yourself and, and ways you can get better than also ways you might can help others while you're doing that too, just as, just as much as well. No question. All right. Well, let's, as much as we can, maybe move past a little bit of just how it is right now and talk about normal college sports <laughs> and athletics. If we ever get back to that, that time, which I'm sure we will, but let's talk a little bit. Um, obviously I know you back from when you were at UNC Wilmington and, and were there for seven or eight years, I guess it was. And uh, went through recruiting process with you and a little bit of a sore subject for me and, and maybe for you that I know, you know, I didn't always, it's why I love what I get to do now for me personally was very immature at that time. And I know I didn't, I didn't handle recruiting. It was a different world back then. I, I realized that. So it's not, not something I beat myself up about, but it is what I, I love getting to do with the players now and, and helping them not maybe make some of those mistakes, but you know, we went through recruiting and, and I ended up not coming there to Wilmington and, um, but I've always just had, you know, uh, obviously a ton of respect for you as a coach. And then you went on to UVA and you actually coached a good friend of mine there, Leah Wigger, when she was there, her and I traveled some out on tour and you've been there at Chapel Hill for, this was 11 years now. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. So just, you know, just share a little bit on some of your, you know, your kind of your journey from, from going to a couple of different programs and, and just how you feel like you've made an impact on these different players that you've had and, and maybe even some of the, the things that have progressed from your years of, I said, back when I first knew you, I think you were probably four or five years into coaching at that time. And, and just what's changed, what you've seen over the years with, with athletes and college sports, just some uh, shed a little light on that maybe. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know that's yeah. a broad question. I know. Um, yeah, <laughs> so feel free to prompt me as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when I started at uh, UNC Wilmington, um, I'll be honest with you, I knew nothing about college coaching. Um, I did not play um, college golf. I didn't have the opportunity to, and that's one of the neat things with Title IX that, um, um, you know, there was really no, um, I guess I'm telling my age here, but there was really no opportunity for for uh, much college golf at all. Yeah. Um, so 
you know, when when I was asked to um, uh, be the coach at, at UNCW, I was uh, the director of the golf schools at Pinehurst. And um, I, I mean, seriously, I knew nothing about college yeah. golf, but um, I, for whatever reason, accepted the position and um, uh, wanted to get back to um, the coast of North Carolina, Wilmington, uh, where I had been before and uh, wanted my family to, to grow, uh, my, my kids to grow up in Wilmington. And um, so I accepted the position, um, learned a lot as I went. I will say that probably um, my biggest mentor in um, college golf, and she probably still is, is Diane Daly. Um, Wake Forest, uh, former Wake Forest coach, um, who is just a fantastic friend and individual. Um, but I was there for, as you said, eight years. Um, I was the um, <clears throat> the head coach, the assistant coach, the uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach, the administrative assistant, uh, the uh, study hall monitor. Uh, the psychologist—that um, was everything. Yeah, a little different, yeah, a little different than what they have these days, and, and what you have access to these days, I'm sure. Exactly, um, and um, loved it there. Uh, loved everything about it. Loved the student athletes. Loved the university. But I got a um, a call from the University of Virginia asking if I'd be interested in in starting a program up there. Um, I always laugh because um, I said to my husband, I said, I grew up, um, quite honestly, at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, huge fan. Um, I had family that went there and, and um, I did not go to, to UNC Chapel Hill, but always loved it. And um, um, so when I got off the phone with the University of Virginia, and my husband um, was a, a UNC um, graduate, and I turned to him and I said, I can't go to Virginia. I hate Virginia. <laughs> um, but um, I grew absolutely to love the University of Virginia and the people there and um, the teams that I had there at, uh, at Virginia were just unbelievable. And the, um, the friendships that, that uh, I developed there were still uh, very much lasting friendships. And uh, so I was there and then um, I was super, super close to my dad. Um, and tragically he died in a boating accident. And um, it took a couple of years after that when I said, guys, I gotta get back home to my family. Yeah. And so I actually got out of coaching um, thinking I was done and was working for a, um, a sports marketing company in Wilmington and got a call from UNC asking me if I'd be interested in coaching at UNC. And okay. I told them no, um, that, you know, um, I would give them some recommendations and, and we talked for quite a while and I gave them lots of recommendations on who I think, you know, who I thought would be great. And uh, uh, anyway, after that was over, um, I, I, I finished up the call with they uh, saying, well, will you just think about it? And I said, sure. And so I got off the phone and once again, my husband, uh, was there and he said, uh, uh, why did you leave coaching? And I said, to get back to my family. And, and then he said, well, where is your family? And they were all in North Carolina. So ended up taking the job at North Carolina, which was a, uh, a great decision for me and, and my family. And um, that's where I am now and truly, truly love it. That's great. I don't think I answered any of your questions. No, no. Well, I mean, normally, to be honest, normally when we start off an episode, I kind of let the coaches, that's kind of what I want to hear is what got you into coaching and through yeah. it. So that, that normally kind of skip that part anyway. So you just, <laughs> and I learned something new because I don't think I realized from 
UVA over to uh, Chapel Hill that you had gotten out of it during that time. I, um, I said that probably was about the time that, that I was still out playing and I guess Leah yeah. was out out there as well. And then we were traveling some, I don't think I realized during that time that, uh, that you had gotten out of it. I think I just assumed you'd gone from one to another. So very interesting. So I, I learned, you know, getting out of it was really good for me in a sense that I could kind of sit back, um, recharge my batteries, um, and gain a, a new perspective on things. And it was funny because so often I would get calls from coaches saying, all right, what would you do in this situation? And yeah. I think that uh, and Leah and uh, Kristen Simpson, who played for me and is now my uh, associate head coach, uh, and of course, uh, Leah was uh, uh, coach with me at, at North Carolina as well. But they both laugh and say I was much tougher at Virginia than I than I ever was, or I was much tougher at Virginia than I am at uh, at UNC, and I, I I don't know that I agree with it, but um, but I did, you know, uh, learn really not to sweat the small stuff, um, to to keep everything in perspective, and um, I think it did help me to to have that time off. I'm sure. Well, I think that's something as part part of why I wanted to start this podcast was obviously yeah to educate you know the players out there and and it's end up being other coaches, but to shed some light on how tough being a college coach can be and and I mean obviously how rewarding and the fun times and all that, but just kind of being able to I feel like a lot of the juniors, especially going through the process, just don't really understand that and don't grasp what it takes to be a college coach and in the dedication and the commitment and, and how much of a grind that is, uh, you know, both for college golfers, but, you know, for the coaches and, and what it takes and, and the, you know, the commitment and the travel and the, the emotional toll and the mental, you know, mental toughness in a lot of ways that it takes to just, I mean, you get such a different group of girls and just different personalities and different, you know, just different, you're always having to adapt and always having to, you know, your, your hope is to get a lot of very similar players and, and over time learn kind of how to see that through recruiting. But at the same time, you know, you're, you're going to get different ones and you're going to get, you know, difference of opinions between the girls and parents and all that. But maybe just talk a little bit about maybe what, um, what has been maybe one of the, the biggest, maybe not struggles, but what had one of the, um, as my phone starts ringing through all this, uh, one of the biggest uh, adjustments maybe that you've had to make or biggest struggle with, uh, you know, with just the team atmosphere and trying to help them be, you know, be teammates when you've got so many individuals there and they're coming from, you know, they've never really been on a team together like that. What's, what's some of the, the strategy, strategies you use for that to, to try to help them come together as a team with so many different individual personalities? Well, I think it's important as a coach, at least for me, um, I recruit the whole player. In -hmm. other words, um, I'm not just looking for talented golfers. Um, What I look for in a recruit is more than anything else, uh, individuals with very strong character. Um, I always... I always say this to a recruit, I'm looking for individuals who want to come into a program and who say, what can I do for this program instead of what are you going to do for me? And um, at Carolina, it is very much a family atmosphere. Um, Both our men's and women's programs um, you know, we, we definitely, um, we preach, we teach, um, it's about family. And, um, we had a recruit in one time where, um, uh, we're, we're leading them all around and showing them everything. And, um, uh, the mom actually came up to Kristen and said, uh, Kristen, you don't have to talk about family anymore. And we both kind of stopped and, and she said, it's just really evident. Um, you, don't even, you don't even have to talk about it. It's there. You can yeah. see. And that's so important to me because I'm with a 
uh, uh, student athlete for four years at least. I mean, hopefully, you know, we build a relationship beforehand and then well after. And you've got to love them. Um, you've got to uh, you've got to respect them. Um, and you're not going to change them a lot. Um, just like when you marry somebody, um, don't go in expecting that you're going to change all their bad habits. So yeah. you've got to find individuals that fit well into your program. And that's what we try to do. Um, how I've seen it change, um, that piece of it, I don't think changes a lot. That's why I recruited you, Brandy. <laughs> uh, you know, just you can tell um, when you have that individual that um, is a good person. And yeah. uh, uh, so that's, you know, maybe it's hurt me sometimes when, um, you know, I've got that recruit that uh, comes in and you, you think to yourself, oh, I don't know quite whether they're going to fit or not, but oh, she's such a good player. And, you know, the red flags are going up and you do it anyway. And yeah. you find out that, oh gosh, this just does not work. Um, so every coach is different in their style, um, obviously. But, you know, I have found over the years, um, my coaching is, is about relationships, building those relationships, helping the player. And if you don't have... Um, if, if you don't respect each other, then that's hard to, to make happen. Yes, very, very true that. And it's like you said, it's, and obviously we're even in a little bit tougher time now with, you know, with recruiting, we're in this, this temporary dead period and it's just electronic communication and, and whatnot. But, and then we've hit some of these recruiting roles that have changed that have changed a lot for good, but maybe has had some repercussions and not getting to know the coach quite as well. Um, I know when I was going through it, you, you didn't have that chance, really. You, you, know, you hardly even talked to the coach before you went on your one visit and then you kind of made your decision. So players do at least have a better opportunity to get to know the coach and, and vice versa. Although it's still one of the things that I probably do see more and more is it, it's still so hard to, to really figure people out through that until you're just there and you're in it and you're, you know, you're living that day in and day out kind of grind. And then you're both, you know, through the process, you're putting on your best, you know, best appearance and, and want to tell the coach everything they want to hear and, and all that kind of changes. But what, you know, when players get there and, and the college athletes get there, you know, what are some of those things that you see that they do well that really helps them, you know, uh, again, not so much ones that maybe tell you what you want to hear, but that actually get there and live it and breathe it. And what are some things that you see that, that help some of the more successful ones, both on and off the golf course, that either come in with that already or are pretty quick to adapt it and, and learn that as they're there and, and through their four years there? I think first and foremost, um, they, have, they have to have a love for the game, um, a love for the game of golf. Um, you know, why did they play golf in the beginning? What was it that, that led them to this game? And um, I think that some players uh, truly um, just – you know, they eat and breathe golf and they love it. I think there are other players that get burnout for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, just themselves um, losing interest or their parents pushing them. Um, so, you know, I think um, you gotta, you gotta find individuals that just truly have that love of the game and that they have the love to learn. Um, you know, um, in golf, there it's uh, two steps forward, one step backwards, and, and they have to, um, you know, have an, a, a growth mindset in order to really um, move forward in golf. You know that there's a lot of failure out there with golf, and and um, if you take your failures and, and learn from them, then um, you're going to be a, a better golfer, a better person. I think also just from a college perspective, 
um, just uh, time management um, yes. is, is huge. Um, you know, we as coaches don't want to have to babysit um, our players. And yes. so when you have uh, individuals that come in and they make time for their academics, they make time for their golf, they make time for their social life, and they, they do it well. Those are the ones that are going to really succeed. Um, and they're the ones that are going to be happy, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because if, you know, if you're not doing well in school, um, you're probably not going to do very well on the golf course because, you know, if, if you care at all, you're going to be worrying about your schoolwork while you're on the golf course and yeah. um, vice versa. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that time management piece is you hear it and I know it's something everybody, you know, probably constantly working on. And it's something I think junior players want to do better at a lot of times and don't always have the, the awareness for it, but it is, it's, I struggle with, especially right now with all this kind of free time we're all experiencing of, of you know, know a lot of people are having to learn to work from home right now and, you know, changing their schedules and stuff. There's always those ways of adapting. And, and yeah, that time management piece, because like I said, when you can know you're getting stuff done when it needs to be done, and even if it's a shorter amount of time than you maybe plan for it, if you can focus on it and get it done, knowing you've got to move on to something else, it does. It just makes you be able to, whatever it is you're doing, you can focus on so much better instead of thinking you need to be doing something else because you didn't get it done yet. Or, you know, and, and I know it's easier said than done a lot of times, but there is a, a level of being able to do it and do it successfully. And, and yeah, I, I think that has been a very recurring theme for sure of what, what it takes to, to be able to be a more successful college athlete. Uh, because I think too, the junior players don't realize how much, while they don't have that much free time, they do have a lot of time that they still have to figure out how to manage. I think they talk about, there's no, you know, they don't have all this free time there. So they think everything's going to be totally dictated for them. And, and in a way it is, but yet there's, when there is that extra time or when stuff's not, how are they spending that time and, and how are they getting things done during the, the time that they do have to make their own decisions, I guess. And they're not used to that. Well, I'm sure you've done this. Uh, we do it with our, with our student athletes, but um, for time management, we'll, we'll lay out, um, you know, where they have a, a, a calendar with um, the hours of the day in it and they, they plug in what they do when. And yeah. um, they realize um, that they have a lot more time than they thought they did. Um, and also they realize that if they get into a routine, um, and I think routine is key. Yeah, uh, have a routine. But um, again, I think, you know, just realizing that you have control over a routine that you have control over managing your time. Uh, I think that's big. Yeah, the, the routine thing. I, uh, yeah, I think and again, I think everybody's in such different routines and you have to learn to adapt when your routine gets thrown out of whack unexpectedly. But sure. yet how to still to still have that element of it that, you know, sometimes you've got to make those adjustments and, but yet being able to, to then prioritize what part of your routines you need to try to stick to and, and where can you compromise for, you know, for, for your own good or for others or, or whatever that might be and setting those priorities and, and what's going to be more important. Um, and, and again, I, I know the kids are, you know, don't quite have that maturity. Sometimes some do, some have too much of it. I've seen some that no, no, they stress themselves that. out. Well, yeah. Oh, I 100% sitting here at a friend text me this morning about my schedule for the day. And I said, I had, you know, got plans to get calls done work done, a workout in yard work. And I was like, that sounds very ambitious, but that, you know, the, the odds of getting all four of those things done today, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think we all, we all still do. And then like I said, I think I see the opposite with some where they're so caught up in it. They stress themselves out. And I think this time has been great for some of them to have to have to learn to adjust to not having their set routine and, and being so stressed about having to just accomplish everything. I think you got some of those overachievers that sometimes go the opposite way with it. I feel like, and um, need the need a little bit of a reminder that you got to be able to adapt and, and not stress and, and totally just freak yourself out when you get thrown for a little bit of a loop, because that is obviously going to happen in, in life and, and golf and everything. 
Well, if no? you, oh, God. If my husband just brought my dogs in, which, um, <laughs> no, but um, I think I think the key to the routine in this day and age, right this moment, is yeah. a flexible routine is okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Very true. Very true. Yes. Yes. Well, um, I said, I know you said your, your dogs will want to participate. I have been, I've been very lucky. I told you I had to, I I try to get mine out before I start and they have been extremely quiet. They haven't even come in here. So I'm thinking my new fence and backyard is, is working well for their, their being tired now, but we'll we'll just maybe cover. There's one thing that, that I know there's there's two pieces left that I know everybody really enjoys hearing that, um, they do want you to shed uh, not shed light on, but actually share, which one is, you know, everybody really enjoys hearing kind of that funny story that, you know, just either crazy moment or whether it's a tradition the team does, what's something that you just really, you know, have, have like I said, enjoyed, or it's been funny that you've just, you know, gotten such a kick out of a story. What, what would that be through all of your coaching days? Well, I think probably one of the funniest stories was back when I was at UNC Wellington. And we were headed down to, uh, well, I have, I have several funny stories, but this is one that's good. Um, we were headed to, I think it was um, Edisto Beach to play in a tournament. And um, anyway, the girls jump in the, ba- the van, and back then it was a 15-passenger van. So um, I had a player who her name... Um, was Tara, and uh, whenever she got in the van, she always got in the very back, and she was, I don't think she was five feet tall, but she'd get in the very back and just lay down and go to sleep. So we're into our journey, and we stop at a gas station, and you have to realize, um, back then, we didn't have cell phones. and uh, so we stop at this gas station. The girls run in to go to the bathroom, get drinks, whatever. We get back in the van. I said, all right, guys, we got everybody. Yep, coach, we get, we're good. So we're driving along, and we have gone about an hour. And I hear the scream from the back of the van. And, of course, I slam on brakes. What's the matter? Tara is not in the van. Oh, no. Um, so we turn around and, uh, we, um, go back to the gas station and there is Tara sitting (laughs) on the, um, the curb at the gas station, just waiting for us. Uh, uh, yeah. So times have definitely changed. Yeah. Well, that's something like that is so funny that you don't think about when I talk about, uh, you know, first years of traveling and, and not having phones and, you know, how did you learn when you got to certain areas when we were out on tour of you had MapQuest printed out and you didn't, you couldn't just Google the closest restaurant. You had to, I still don't know how we figured out where things were when we got there and you had to get a lot. Yeah. They would tell you kind of how to get to restaurants from the golf course and it would be on your, like your info sheet. And that's how you knew where to get to places. And if you got lost, I mean, you literally had to pull out a map and figure it out yourself instead of just re rerouting you. And and it is crazy to think about. And yeah, something like that where, you know, any other time you just call and say, Hey coach, I'm y'all left me, but you could have gotten halfway, halfway across the state and not realized it and, and not even known, you know, and her not have any way to, let you know so that's that's a good one that's a, a definitely a new one um yeah. so those, those stories have been really i've really enjoyed hearing the, the coaches stories and, and what they relate to and, and everything so that's uh that's a funny one especially to put it in perspective for how different things can be now and exactly. um you know even just the vans being different because back then we did we traveled in those you know 16 passenger vans with the rows where yeah somebody could be in the back and you wouldn't even know they were back there um <laughs> yes i i can remember those days well one last thing and then i will let you go um it's it's something that i know a lot of people and and especially now if if it's something that they are able to do if not it's it's you can still share what it is but what's one of the the favorite drills or you feel like something that's really a productive thing that that the girls do at practice whether it's as a team or individually or or something from a you kind of drill practice perspective that you have the team do that that's one of your your favorites whether it's one that makes it challenging for them or just something that's really effective uh what's one that you might can 
can share with us? Oh gosh, well, we've started using um, GameForge, uh, which I'm sure you're familiar with, um, which uh, actually uh, helps us a great deal in determining, um, you know, what drills to do with uh, with the team for it to be the most effective effective uh, for the team uh, as a team and as an individual. Uh, are you familiar with GameForge? I'm not, no, I have not heard of that, oh, but wow. I definitely just wrote it down and gonna be uh, checking it out though. I have not, no. Yeah, it's, uh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not trying to advertise this. No, uh, no. It's, 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 if you go online, it's mygameforge.com. And um, it's, it's an amazing, um, hmm. number one, when, when, student athletes fill out um, their stat sheet instead of it taking forever it takes yeah. like uh, two minutes to fill out okay. the, uh, and so based on stats it gives you what to practice so it makes our lives as coaches um, much much easier and if you're familiar with um, of course mark sweeney with angel mm -hmm. um, he and Brian Bailey developed GameForge, and Brian Bailey okay. was my assistant at Virginia. Okay. Um, so okay. I kind of got him using it uh, from the very beginning, but it has really, um, it's really changed our program. And, very cool. Um, very cool. So um, the drills that we use are ever-changing. Uh, and I can't really say that I have a favorite drill anymore, uh, other than um, we do uh, a ton of putting drills. Um, we, um, from 20 feet and in, um, I think those are some of my favorite drills that we do now. Um, we have a drill that, um, um, with chipping that you have to get within six feet of the hole. And um, that's been a great one. And within six feet of the hole and then to make your putt from that six feet in. Um, gotcha. So we, we do a lot of those. So okay. again, I can't say I have a favorite drill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I love so many of the drills. Um, yeah, nothing wrong with that. I'll definitely have to. I know very familiar with Mark and, and Aimpoint. I, I never, well, that was after my days of playing anyways, but sure. I did not realize they had. So I will have to check that out because I, I do. I love that when I did do some coaching and, and was getting ready to do a little bit more from that player development practice side of things, always loved just the creativity with drills and, and like I said, being able to take your stats and what you did and forming ways, you know, drills that, that kind of focus specifically on that. So uh, yeah, well, very, the, very good the, idea. They're working with tour players. Um, a lot of um, a lot of the female tour players and the male, uh, but um, they're working with a ton of colleges. But the great thing is they can also work with juniors, and yeah. it's very affordable. So again, I'm not I'm not yeah. trying to sell this. I'm, I'm just simply saying it has been so beneficial for us that I would encourage other. Um, awesome. I would encourage. Uh, juniors to, to definitely check it out yeah all right yeah I will um we'll pass that along and then the ones out there listening can can check it out and yeah I, like I said I know you um you, you got your pups back in with you and and uh, they, uh, I can hear them talking a little bit back out <laughs> yeah well like I said it and I'll you anybody who knows me knows like I said my dogs always like to participate on on calls and video chats and, and they like to get their two cents on everything. So I can, can 100% appreciate that, but I will, will um, I'll give you a chance if there's anything else you want to share. Um, you know, I can sit here and ask questions and talk all day cause I, I love the insight and I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, chatting with you and, and catching up with you. It is crazy to think it's been mm, 20 something years or so, oh, wow. 21 years. Yeah. yeah. I've had my 20 year high school reunion last year. So it's probably about 21 years when, I was going through the recruiting process and, and went through all this that all these girls are going through. And, and it certainly has changed, but I have 
100% appreciated uh, the relationship been able to maintain with you over the years and, and appreciate you jumping on with me. But is there is that anything you want to um, share with, with those listening? I said, we have junior players, the parents, instructors, a lot of other college coaches have been listening in and have really sure. learned a lot from each <laughs> other. Uh, so anything you might want to share as we wrap this up? I think um, number one, uh, I want to say thank you to you to for what you do, Brandy. I think you provide a very unique service um, for uh, juniors, and and I think this what I see in your service um, is that you truly, truly care about the individuals. Um, thank you and you direct them in, in a um, wonderful way. So um, well, thank you, I thank thank you. for that. Um, I was looking at your questions and, and I think um, um, one that, uh, you know, my most rewarding coaching yes. moment. Good one. Okay. Um, there is not one single moment, of course. Um, I think my most rewarding moments are hearing from, from my former players uh, what they're doing, uh, how their life has progressed. Um, and, you know, I, with the Virginia team, the first team we had, we uh, several years ago, we had a reunion um, down at, at Topsail Beach. Um, okay. And um, just being together with them and seeing the, the love and the uh, how much fun they still were having together. We went roller skating at a roller rink. Um, <laughs> we did all kinds of crazy things. But um, so my most rewarding coaching moments are always um, just seeing a student uh, recruit come in as a freshman, watching them grow, um, watching them graduate, uh, seeing them, whether they are uh, going on uh, to play professional golf or, um, you know, in, a, in the business world or being a mom, all those things are, are the most rewarding thing to me. Yes, I, I love that. And, and I like that that has been one that most everybody has covered. So it's, it's good. I'm glad you picked that out. And, and like I said, that you don't have that, that one moment. And, and while I wasn't one of your players and it's probably not, necessarily a rewarding moment like i said it's funny even said so i always relay you know like i said how you and i went through the process together of something that comes back years later to hopefully you know be able to learn from and, and like i said i hope hope now that mistakes that i made and things of being able to you know that's some of my rewarding moments of things of you know whether it's mistakes that i made or just things that i've just learned in general and seeing these players be able to you know like i said not just the golf course but the things they're able to learn that i wish i had been able to early on and might have totally changed my like my path not that i'm not happy with what it was but you know th those are such as rewarding moments and, and like i said I, I do i definitely try to you know, care about the individual just as you all do as coaches, because again, it is, that's what, you know, that's where you get the rewards from and, and the, the kind of the satisfaction and the, the time and everything it takes is, is from those things of, of the, the bigger picture to it and what they really are able to learn and, and take from their time and their experience. Um, it's, it is, it's, it's very, uh, very unique opportunity that you all have as coaches and and so much more to it and the, the bigger picture to it and the responsibility there is that that's there for these these kids at such a vulnerable time in their lives so um i'm sure there's lots of lots of those rewarding moments that kind of just add up the, that it's probably got to be hard to to just pinpoint one of those i'm sure absolutely uh, yeah. yeah and i think you know we just all keep keep growing keep learning Exactly. Yes. Which is a great time for doing that. Um, so again, I, I appreciate you jumping on and, and taking the time. I said, I know it's not the, you know, the spring that we were all, you know, looking to have right now, but you know, trying to make the most of what we can and make the most of our time and, and being creative. And, and like I said, just trying to think outside the box a little bit right now. And hopefully this develops some, some skills and some traits for, especially for these kids and these girls for the future. And for us as adults as well, I think it's a, a huge learning experience for many adults right now too. Um, yeah. 
Every problem has a silver lining. So uh, that's right. Very good. Very good. Well, thanks to everybody out there who listened in on this episode. Um, appreciate you joining in and hopefully you got some, some great insight from coach Jan Mann there at UNC Chapel Hill and appreciate her joining and look forward to everybody on the next episode of tap into college golf. I hope you enjoyed this episode with myself and coach Mann at UNC Chapel Hill. Just wanted to wrap up this episode because this was another one very similar to one with my college coach, Mick Potter, that takes me back to my recruiting days. As I mentioned, Coach Mann recruited me when she was at UNC Wilmington and really went after me pretty hard. And it's one of those things that, that to this day I know I didn't handle with the best maturity. And, and it's always kind of, um, it's a lot of why I love doing what I do now is those tough things that you have to do going through the recruiting process um, has such a bigger meaning to it and in such a, a bigger purpose that, that I didn't realize um, two parts of it. For one, it's, it's keeping your options open. Uh, I ended up not going on my visit to Wilmington kind of last minute uh, just because I felt like it was too far away, which was only about four, four and a half hours, maybe five hours, which for me at that time felt farther away coming from a small town. Um, but the other options I had, which weren't very many, I was so stuck on wanting to go to Furman. Um, I really kind of kept other options that would have been great fits like UNC Wilmington with her there, just an excellent coach. Um, I just didn't, wasn't willing to get out of my comfort zone. And also when it came time to have to kind of back out of that visit, I didn't want to call and tell her. I'm pretty sure I talked my dad into doing it for me. Um, I can't remember if he made me do it. Um, my dad's awesome, but um, that was some of those things, that comfort zone that that I stayed in that I really needed to get out of more as a younger younger female. That would have helped me so much going through college and, and professional golf to handle things like that so much better. Um, I'm grateful that Coach Mann doesn't hold that against me, and, and she knows that a big part of things like that or why I love what I do now and, and why I find such – gratitude and being able to do this and how I see it is so much more than just the recruiting process and how much I've learned from that and and thankful that she still talks to me and and will do things like this for me and and like I said just opportunities that I might have let slip by that for you know that could have been better options for me from a recruiting perspective if I needed them and also opportunities for growth and maturity at, at such a crucial time so Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or need anything or are searching for guidance or, or for some of that, that mentorship and consulting, um, feel free to reach out to me, www.brandyjacksongoff.com. That's Brandy with an I.